Welcome to the 50th episode of the Chuck Shoot Podcast. Pretty crazy, 50 episodes. Reminds me of that old uh, SNL sketch. I'm 50. 50 years old. But uh, this was a fun thing to do. So I got this idea from watching old Seinfeld reruns because they used to have clip shows. Uh, and a lot of the old sitcoms would do that back in the day. They'd just take the highlights from all the past episodes and splice them up into one episode. Um, for the sitcoms, I think it was a cheap and easy thing to do. For me, it was a pain in the ass with all the editing. Uh, and by the time I thought of doing something for the 50th e episode, I had to rush to put it together. Um, so try not to judge me when you listen to the clips. Some of the transitions are a little awkward and abrupt. Um, but that's just basically because I went back and listened to all these episodes, grabbed one minute clip from each episode and spliced it together. Um, you know, next time I'll probably do a more uh, uh, smooth transition and do maybe a longer clip or shorter clip depending on uh, the story. Uh, but the, the episodes will change quickly. So the best way to listen to this is either watch it in video form on YouTube, which should be out soon. Or if you're listening on the podcast format, you want to look at the notes in the podcast. That way you can follow through and see which guest is talking because otherwise it might be a little bit confusing. Uh, but basically I go in order. It's a one minute clip from each episode and it just goes, you know, one, two, three, all the way up to 49. And this is the 50th episode. So um, it was a lot of work to make this and choose the clips, but it was also a lot of fun uh, to listen back on these old episodes. A lot of laughs. A lot of amazing stories, sad stories, inspirational stories, so much more. Um, what's really cool to me is just the variety of people that I've had on the show. Uh, people from so many different backgrounds. Like I've had people who dropped out of high school and people with PhDs. I have people who aren't even 21 yet and people who are retirement age, East Coast, West Coast. I mean, just so many different uh, backgrounds. It's cool to see all these different kinds of people all on the same platform and um, if you've been listening, I thank you uh, for doing so, and I hope you continue to. And if you're new to the show, uh, I hope this episode can make you a fan and you listen to these full interviews because there really are some amazing stories from amazing people that I've had on my show. So check it out. So, um, and the kind of guests we're going to have, I'm going to try to book some comedians, musicians, actors, athletes, authors, um, a lot of entertainment industry people so anybody in the, involved in the movie tv business the music business or the you know may not necessarily be athletes but something in the sporting business like a you know a sports uh caster or head coach or something so right so yeah just interesting people anybody i find interesting or maybe you know scientists or professors at asu who knows so um Whatever I find interesting, but those will be kind of some of the main things because usually that's entertainment industry is just it's always been fascinating to me sports, music, movies and TV. I've always just been gravi always gravitate to those things. So I'm going to try to find uh, people that are experts on those people that I think are interesting. And a lot my lifestyle writing is I have OCD, so I have a I have a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet with every joke I've ever I've said, how many times I've said it, how many times it's, it's worked. How many times it hasn't worked? If it hasn't worked more than 10% of the time, I rewrite the joke. So that grinder joke is on revision, is on 26.3. So I've said it. Wow. Oh so you like, are organized. Dude, that is cool. <laughs> yeah. that, that's actually smart, though. You're, you're being mathematical about it. That's very smart. Um, now, you don't. Yeah, uh, all my jokes. Always yeah, say, I have a Word document, too. Yeah, so yeah. people always say that, though, like, oh, I'm OCD. You're not literally OCD. You're just. You're just you're just anal, or you're you're like you said you you know like I or like I said you're you're mathematical, isn't that? Well, I think that would be more of the word. It sounds like you're organized. When it, yeah. when it comes to my when it comes to my standup, yeah, and and cleanliness, like I have to be clean. That's yeah. that's OCD. But for comedy, my like I have a spray, I have a, a word document where I write all my jokes out word for word. Yeah, so the the punchlines are Brett Michaels comes walking in our dressing room. Hey man, and we're like, wow, dude, what's going on? You know, and he's like, well, I want to welcome you to the tour. Listen, after the show, uh, come to our dressing room. We have like a big dinner back there. I want you to come, have, guys, have come dinner with us. We're like, get the frick out of here! Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> that's like the coolest freaking thing. Yeah. So we get the needless that we do the show. Everything goes great. We're in, and we got to visualize. This is a little weird. The showers in in, in the dressing rooms in the arenas. It's like one big concrete room with like 10 shower nozzles. So you're like showering all together. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Weird. That's yeah. how it's done. Like, 
you know, like, I don't know if you've seen movies where a sports team is, you know, yeah, in like the a locker, locker room, room after. Sure. Right. It's a locker room shower for the most part. That's, you know, nine times out of 10. That's what the showers are like at an arena. Hmm. So, you know, we're so we're the band. We're, we're showering after the show. And in comes Brett with these five strippers and they're all <laughs> carrying champagne bottles. And he marches. The- That's got to be hard going from touring a rock band and being playing arenas. So and now all of a sudden like, okay, now I got to get like a real job. Like, doesn't that, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, that's, that's but at least you got to live that for so, I mean, for so many years, like that's, you always have those memories and now you guys are touring again, which I think is awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did and, you, you know, it's, it's so, I don't know. I'm just so grateful to have, you know, been able to do what we did. I mean, even at the time we were touring, and just having the time of our lives, I mean, we were just looking at each other going, man, can you believe this? It was a blast. You know, <laughs> Absolutely. We were just having a good time. I mean, uh, it was party time pretty heavily. But uh, <laughs> Oh, really? So, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it was like Motley well, Crue the Dirt. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, <laughs> listen, man. I don't think anybody can touch those guys. So, no. We weren't, okay. we weren't even close, man. We were milk and cookie compared to those guys. So. Didn't ask about your near-death experiences. So I, I know that you had one where you almost drowned, and there was another one where you woke, you actually woke up in the morgue with a toe tag. Can you explain this morgue thing? Because I just don't understand. How did they not realize you were still alive? They put you in the morgue. That's the magic question. I was kind of pissed <laughs> off about that. I was like, good thing they weren't the days of sewing the pennies over your eyes and breaking your backbone. Jeez, stuff like yeah. that. Or, or autopsy. They were just putting the tag. That's what woke me up. Is they were putting the tag on me. And, and uh, you know, you got the clothes on and stuff like that. So, you know, it was off to the drawer for me. And I was, you know, laying there reeking. As soon as my eyes opened, I was like, I seen the fluorescent lights. I seen, was, seen something's crazy. I tried to just close my eyes again and recap. All right. What the fuck did I do? You know? And, yeah. and I, I remember last thing I remember was partying with a bunch of people and, you know, and, and maybe a little too high of a dosage. It's like, yeah, give me that shit. I'm going to go with a, with a higher than this. KPEC was a great thing, but yeah, we were the only black family there. And uh, the only black family in the entire town of KPEC. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. So, you know, I was the only black kid to graduate with my high school class and my siblings and so on and so forth. So, okay. So that's, that's, that's that sounds like, uh, I, I had the opposite experience because I grew up in this little town called Issaquah in Washington. And we had one black kid in the whole, in my whole neighborhood that went to my, and I think he was the only one in our whole high school of like 2000 people. And so it was, but he was a nice guy. Like just, you know, Oh man. But, we, so that's my experience. It, it, well, I, I don't know if it's really your experience. I think it's more of his experience. You want me to You see what Caucasian people do, man? You try to take, what's my man's name? Do you remember his name? RJ. Okay. You yeah. try to take RJ R- Brown. R- of course, RJ Brown. <laughs> this whole story is false. <laughs> this whole story is false. RJ Brown. <laughs> Brown. I swear to oh, God. Only way this gets worse is no. this fucking name was fucking George Washington Black. <laughs> so only, only way this story gets worse. Uh, R.J. Brown. Oh God, you're making me laugh. Uh, it's not me telling you I want you back. I wish I never had you before. It's not me controlling you like that. And trying to hold you back And when I call for you You're not around Is this someone new Heard that you found Should I fall for you So far that I fall down Cause it's not you Who's left out to dry In the pouring rain And I Would do anything for you I 
doctors, all oh, sending all of the prescription of you. Sexy or formal, I want friction with you. Jeans and boots on gowns and suits, I'm never holding back. I'm pushing through doctors, all oh, sending all of the prescription of you. Sexy or formal, I want the friction with you. Jeans and boots on gowns and suits, I'm never holding back. I'm pushing through, but did you have a clue? I'll be the only one to earn your love. Or was it so new? I got to ask, I don't want to go full TMZ here, but I got to ask, mm-hmm. are you and Ricky cool now? Because there was a little bit of a Facebook uh, battle between the two where you just said the band was inactive and he was saying it's inactive because I got cancer. And then you guys kind of went back and forth, which seems out of character for him. Um, I mean, uh, out of character for you too. I mean, for both of you, it seemed like, I was like, this is kind of weird. So do you guys kiss and make up or what's the story there? You, you know, I mean, we're both passionate individuals sure. and I, I, I hate, almost being asked sometimes about the the group because it, the the band was kind of lightning in a bottle and mm-hmm. it and it went away um rather quickly as it came in and there is sometimes no no easy way to say it that it it's inactive and you have to do things it it, mm-hmm. it comes out it comes across like a slam you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and it isn't Hey Lars, this is Paul Stanley, and this is Gene Simmons from KISS, and I'm going to get right to the point, Lars, a lot of people steal from KISS, you know it, I know it, everybody knows it, but on the new Metallica record, I think you've gone a little too far, and I'll give you a perfect example, name one song on the new Metallica record that you think is completely original, and Lars goes, I think all the songs are... (laughs) Pretty original, right? But if you had to pick one song, if I had to pick what song, it'd probably be. And he gave me a song title. And I said, "That's a great song, Lars." But I liked it a lot better the first time I heard it when it was called Beth. And he went, "How do you hear Beth in the middle of Metallica? Doesn't make any fucking sense." And he started arguing with a fake Paul Stanley and a fake Gene Simmons. And then my buddy st- started throwing in more celebrities. Like, hey, guess who else is here? Christopher Walken is here. Hi, Lars. I love Metallica because <laughs> I love cocaine. And he- it really don't matter how funny you are. People not go take you serious and they not go fuck with you. So I'm calling comedy clubs, <laughs> acting like I'm my manager. Like, hi, uh, my name is Kurt Sharkey. Uh, yeah, I'm with uh, Wisconsin <laughs> Prolific Entertainment, uh, LLC. And I have this funny comic there named T. Kingsby. You know, I'm calling comedy clubs. Sounds club. like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> right, kind of, but it sounds kind of like an old man to you know the fall <laughs> <laughs> and they believe you right so i called this one club one day i'll never forget this um how many times have you done this oh man a lot of back really? when i was in milwaukee i was doing it a lot right so i'll call across <laughs> the country trying to get myself booked so i call this club in milwaukee called bonkers and shit it's connected to a, a strip club and um i'm like yeah i'm running the kurt sharky spill and shit and they like uh, I'm like, yeah, I got uh, T. Dot Kingsby. They're like, whoa, 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 T. Dot Kingsby. Whoa, whoa, no, we don't want that guy here. I almost broke character. Like, why the fuck not? <laughs> My last music question: Is there any uh, guilty pleasures or music styles that you like that maybe aren't rock that you're kind of ashamed of? Or uh, I'm not ashamed at all. Okay. I fucking love Barry Manilow. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I would uh, not dude, have pictured and- you as a Barry Manilow guy or Days of Our Lives, but. I'm learning a lot. I am the only straight man you will ever meet that loves shopping, grocery shopping, Barry Manilow, and Days of Our Lives. <laughs> that is an interesting combo for a straight man. You're right. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I, I I love country. I love country music. Well, that's right, because um, you said you were starting a country band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not really ashamed about any of the music I listen to. That's good. I, I, I don't consider it a guilty pleasure. I mean, yeah. everybody knows I love Barry Manilow. How can you not love Barry Manilow? He wrote the songs. Yeah. Copacabana, that was a great one. I did that oh, karaoke. Dude. See? Yeah. You I know like all, all the songs. Oh, I like all sorts of different kinds of music. I just think... Um, so many people that call customer service are so angry and that's usually what those people deal with. And then you just did the opposite. You call these customer service lines and you're overly nice. So like, how did you come up with that idea? And tell me, tell me more about this. Cause I, I love these positive pranks. Sure. I, I thought about it when I was, I, I had to be like eight years old and looking at a pert plus bottle <laughs> and on the back. It said question your comments and i remember being in the shower and being like 
I wonder if people just call and they go like, yeah, I washed my hair. It was cool. It was good. <laughs> file that, com- file that comment. And I remember thinking that when I was like a little kid, but then it never really came up again until I found this stuff called Alden's, Alden's ice cream. Okay. Uh, Alden's ice cream has the best mint chocolate chip I've ever had in my life. It's, it's really, it's That's my favorite kind of ice world. Cream. I broke up with a long-term girlfriend. I quit my job and I moved to Thailand. Was there one moment that where that hit where you said, I don't want to do this? Like, was there one thing that like a defining moment you remember? Yeah, there was, uh, we would have weekly meetings on Tuesdays. Um, with our with our management team, and they would go over all these spreadsheets and your your pitches to clients and blah 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 yeah. blah, blah, and they would use all these like corporate terminology like circle back. Like, <laughs> I got to hear cir- like we'll circle back on that next week one oh, more time. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna. So it, it was kind of that me, those meetings over and over and, and in the mm. suit and on the subway and it's 95 degrees in the summer in New York. And you're trying, like, oh, my God, what suit am I going to wear tomorrow? And who am I going to try to impress? Mm-hmm. It, it just was not me. Mm-hmm. I was not a corporate guy. Mm-hmm. I was not a suit. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I quit my job. I broke up with a girl. I moved to Thailand. And I kind of said, okay, I got a little bit of savings, but how am I going to live? Right. 30 countries later, I finally uh, That's kind of cheesy. the number but, yeah. one point. I think people themselves is probably the worst enemy they have. It's not the people who, who are egging you on. It's the lack of belief uh, in yourself. That's number one above all else. And, and that's sometimes a very hard thing to face, you know, that, to think that, you know, the guy in the magazine is like an untouchable, not, it's not real. Yeah. Tell you, it's 100% real, pal. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We're just some dumb kids from New Jersey, you know, but we had a plan. Yeah. And we forged a plan with the people that had uh, right. some power and were able to help us. We didn't do it ourselves. We had a lot of help along the way. That's, you know, but that, you know, if we didn't believe in ourselves, we would have thrown in the towel before we even got some help. Right. You said that your secret to your success was pure determination and persistence. So you just kept going I'll even go so far as to say with some of it was stupidity (laughs) because the odds are against you. Yes. And, you know, you got to have it's either balls or complete stupidity to keep going forward. Mm -hmm. But if you do it because you love it. Then it's not effort. Like I said, and your reputation is great. But is there any musicians that you've worked with that were hard to work with or uh, maybe talented musicians, but just difficult personalities? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you want to say their names, but. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. Some were harder than others. But okay. It was all a, a very. No, I won't even say that. No, listen, it's, you know, you, you have to understand people. And not let their personality get in the way of, of their music. You know, sometimes ego is just a shield for for somebody not being confident, even mm-hmm. though they 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 might have great musical knowledge, but there, there's something happened along the way in their in their journey that made them lose confidence in themselves, even though mm-hmm. they might be incredible musicians. So sometimes they use ego to protect themselves. Oh, interesting. I started doing comedy. I wasn't good. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody is good when you start, but I didn't know it. And that served me. People, Mm -hmm. audiences were probably like literally and or at least figuratively symbolically telling me like, you're not good at this. But I was like, I I think uh, my grandmother knows a little better than every (laughs) other. Right. So, but you must have had some adversity. I mean, I mean, you have some strikes against you, right? I mean, I don't know, maybe not in the entertainment business, but I mean, being Jewish, right? I mean, is, do you ever face anti-Semitism or, and I mean, your, your yeah. comedy special, you know, small dork. I mean, so you're saying that I'm not saying, but you're saying you're small and you're, I mean, those things, did those not ever fight against you sometimes or the roles that you were maybe turned down because you weren't tall enough or too uh-huh. dorky or. Uh, I'm sure. First of all, how dare you? I am uh... <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's your special. That's what you called it. I didn't say it. I understand, and uh, we're all having fun here. Publicize. I'm sure you remember this one. It was probably, right, I think it was right after the UCLA game. He called the players fat, dumb, happy, and entitled. But I don't, I don't remember one player arguing or seeing anything on social media, people talking and arguing against him or talking against him. So, how did the players take that? Uh, that quote, what, what did you, what did the locker room say about that? Um, I mean, a lot of us just kind of, we, we try to get the guys together. Um, you know, 
you're not gonna you're not gonna win games when everyone's kind of separated in the locker room. So, um, but we always try to listen to the message and not how the tone is be, like being said. Hmm. So at the end of the day, um, yeah, it was a tough loss, but um, all we could do is try to get everyone together, get all the coaching staff and everybody on the same track to get ready for the next week and kind of just look. When you when you lose a game, you kind of just want to look on to the next week and not really mm-hmm. focus. Literally three days at the Rainbow on the same table, we celebrated Sebastian's birthday. And I don't know, I'm not friends with him. I just was connected with the king. And so we were all there together. He was out in the States visiting from India. And what then, do you mean the king? He's he, So his family, he's, uh, he's a, a king in India. Oh, India. Okay. Yes, a full-on king. And he's wow. also a diehard Sebastian Bach fan and a huge Guns N' Roses fan. Wow. He ended up booking shows for them. White Lion played 2008. Our last shows were in India in soccer stadiums, and the King was the one that that booked it. He's just a huge rock fan. His That's fa- awesome. His it's family kinda bloodline. Like, uh, it's kind of like the guy from North Korea being a big uh, Chicago Bulls. Fan. Exa- totally random, right? And <laughs> right? You got Dennis yeah. Rodman out there, you know, making world peace. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, short story long is finally night three. Sure as shit. Axel Rose comes walking into the back table. So now we're sitting there. It's the king, Sebastian Bach, his girlfriend at the time, and Axel Rose and his And assistant. you're there, too. And I'm there, too. I researched you, and what I turned up, this is very meta, which is exciting for me, was I researched the fact that you research a lot. <laughs> and um, and when I, when I learned that, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's you know, maybe a funny thing to say or whatever. But then I was so curious whether I was going to have the, um, the reaction that other people have had of like, wow, you really know a lot. Um, so I don't even remember where I said that, but my, I mean, I've been on, you know, podcasts and stuff. Right, and yeah. So whatever. Yeah. But anyway, it, it's a really, it's a lovely thing that you do. The research It's such a, I mean, it's impressive, and there's that, but it's also a very generous uh, move. And so I, well, thank I appreciate you. That's a nice thing to what say, you yeah. do. No, and oh, I love yeah. doing well, it. I, I feel like I know you already just because I've listened to all these interviews oh. that you've done. I've watched your stand-up. Like, so- I had a joke about a buddy who had a one-eyed cat, and he talked about how special his one-eyed cat was. And he was like, he's like, he's just like, it's just you know, it's just really special. And that's why I, I like my cat. And I was like, I don't really think it's that special. Like you could make one of those. <laughs> oh, that's, that's and like, that a, was like, that's a dark cat joke for a cat lover though. But almost all my cat jokes are dark. And I've always had a very, and it's kind of crazy to think like, that's my buddy Burkash. I've known him. I met him in college and um, it's still one of his favorite jokes. Like he's like, you really peaked at 17. Um, <laughs> Ouch. But yeah, no, that's, that's but um, truly, I it makes me proud because my standup is dark in a lot of ways, and and I I ended up honestly getting a book deal out of how I present myself as a cat lover, which is like I love them; they're my favorite thing in the whole world, but they're assholes. And because the guys were fighting, and what did he do? He just pulled out the sword and just threatened them. Well, he didn't stab them. No, he didn't do anything. But he said that he was gonna. He said that if they moved a certain way, he said he had a five. So you don't think that? Yeah, that's what. That's right. Five point plan to attack them. Yes, but no, he's in the light rail. This dude's getting beat up by two other guys, and all of a sudden, uh, he just pulls out the samurai sword, holds it in front of him, and like yells at them, like "Hey" or something like that. Yeah. And the best part of the video (laughs) is when this 
very large gentleman turns around, sees a sword, and backs up like, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> right, because you're not expecting no, to see that. No, Maybe a gun not or... to see a four-foot samurai yeah, sword no. come out on a light rail in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> you know, it's not something that happens. But that thing, I think I've gotten more traction off of that story than anything else, because okay. every couple of weeks or months, it pops up again on Reddit. Oh. And all of a sudden, it's like blowing up. Like, I guarantee... If we searched yeah. that thing on Twitter right now, if we searched that guy's name, someone's yeah. tweeted about that guy in the last like two hours. Wow. It's, it's pretty crazy. What about Tom Green? You met him because every time I've seen him, I mean, I've seen his stand up, I've seen him on camera. Is he as weird off oh, camera? He's so weird. As, okay, he is. Okay. Um, so he doesn't, but not it's not as an weird. act. I shouldn't okay. say he's not as, as weird. weird. Okay. He, he, um, he started out, um, he, he interviewed with a couple other folks in my building before he interviewed with me. And, yeah. um, he wasn't in the best of spirits. I don't know what they did, but oh, okay. um, I like to interview comedians in a different way. Like they're funny. So let's yeah. get them out of their shell, not have these same like interview questions. Sure. That's no fun. And so um, I, I wanted him to sing the bum bum song with me. Um, and he kind of oh. looked at me like I was crazy at first. And I thought, Oh, oh I overstepped my boundaries. <laughs> and so I kind of started oh. singing it and rubbing my bum on him. And I'm like, my bum is on Tom green. My bum is on Tom green. And he joined in out of the blue and just, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. He was giggling. He was That's laughing awesome. and whoever he was with that was escorting. This is the first joke. This is where I found you. And I was like, Oh my, like you immediately became one of my favorite comedians. The La Bamba joke. I love this joke because the way you crafted it, it just comes across like so honest. And I, and I related to that because I also thought the lyrics were the same thing you did. You misinterpreted the lyrics. So did you kind of like craft that joke or, cause it almost sounds like you're just telling the story, like just honestly, like this is exactly what happened. Or did you kind of like tweak it and take out parts and change it up a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was one of those things that, you know, it was like a real life experience, uh, as I say in the joke of just being at this bar where um, there was karaoke. And so, you know, I, I was not paying attention, but, you know, people are singing songs, whatever. Yeah. And then La Bamba comes on and I see that it's, it's not ba-da-da-da, which yeah. is what I've been you know, that's, that's what I thought it was, too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was just one of those experiences. And I... Do you think that's the goal of most young people right now to be famous? Like not necessarily be a great musician mm -hmm. or amazing actor or successful entrepreneur or whatever. But like, I feel like a lot of kids just go like, when you ask them like, what do you want to be when you grow up? They're like famous. Yeah. Like, but well, like, do you want to be like, a do? musician or like, do <laughs> yeah. you want <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, I think that can be a dangerous thought to, to kind of be like, I want to be famous because I'll make a lot of money. And then right. you kind of chase that and not, chase because i feel like if you chase fame you, that will die out so yeah. quickly you know well like, sometimes people get famous for the wrong reasons like yep. a crime or like a sex yeah. tape or something yeah. and then and then you're technically famous but yeah, yeah you know like so. i think if you chase if you if you kind of chase fame it's short-lived whereas right. if you if you kind of go for like i want to be the best at this exactly. whatever that yeah. may be then you're gonna be like yeah. you have a good chance at I show up, I'm in the lobby for like an hour, and then this lady comes and gets me. He's like, the guy who was supposed to interview had a family emergency, so he's leaving, so I'm going to do the interview. Uh, do you have your resume <laughs> and everything? I'm like, oh, no, I swear. He told me not to bring it, oh. and they told me, and she's like, oh, it's fine, whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm already losing points. Mm. 
But then we sit down. It's kind of awkward. She doesn't know what to ask me. Mm. I don't know what to answer. And uh, and I'm like, she's got. She wasn't supposed to do this. You yeah, know what I mean? sure. So then, in an interview, she goes, "Ah, oh, so is your brother Keith?" And I go, "Oh yeah, you know Keith." She's like, oh, "How's yeah, he doing?" I heard the story, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, he's great. He just got married." And she's like, "Tell him I said hi. I haven't talked to him." I'm like, "That could be good." And then I call my brother, and he's like, "Yeah, you're not getting the job." <laughs> <laughs> Because it was like an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, or he just had a one-night stand with this girl. Oh, one-night stand. Not Never even called her. Ooh, yeah, and bad. then she's like, "How is he?" I'm like, "Oh, he just got married to the love of his." You're such an amazing interviewer. I just want <laughs> you. Thank you. Like honestly, the the world is so lucky to have you. Thank like, you. That's wow. That's, so that's one thoughtful. maybe the greatest compliment I've had in maybe ever. So thank you so much let for me, let being me let me finish the, the compliment. Hang okay, on. Okay. Sorry. Let me make Keep it. going. Yes. <laughs> I just think, you know, I, I feel very seen and like the way that you ask questions already starts from such a place of depth that it really allows for the person you're talking to. And I can only speak for myself, really. But it allows, <laughs> I felt like I was really invited to go, um, yeah, like to discover new parts of myself. And yeah. Yeah, like thank you. Oh, thank you for coming on. That was great. I thought it was really interesting. You have you're very insightful, and I can tell. You know, like it, it makes sense that you do all these different things because your your mind is so creative, and you have all these talents. And I mean, it's really exciting to be able to do all those different kinds of things. So I look. For Ed O'Neill, I saw him. they were they, the, they were serving like uh, I don't know enchiladas or something. <laughs> he asked the guy, he goes, "Can you uh?" Can you, can you pack up like eight of these? I want to bring these home, uh, you know, for, uh, for my family. It's like, I love that, dude. This guy's a billion dollars. Yeah. You know, he's just cool. It's so cool. He's like, yeah, yeah box some of this stuff for my kids, their family. I'm yeah. Like, well, they, they must have been real. You know, I bet they were really good, though, too. Like, they might be they better than some of the man, restaurants hey, you go not? to. Yeah. He's no schmuck. You know, we got good free food here. Yeah, pack it up. Yeah. I just love the idea of a, a guy like that, so famous, talented, lugging home some food. That's awesome. Himself. Yeah. He's Al Bundy. Yeah. Like, he's like a legend to me. Like, and then one other time I was walking on set and I saw Manny, he was still a little kid, start doing like karate chops at like a shack <laughs> and, and then just returned to being like a child. And then, and then all of a sudden he was back to being an actor. I was like, it's so fucking weird. This kid's making oh, more yeah. money than I'll probably, you know, ever make. And here he is doing would, karate chops yeah. and shit. That would be weird. You, like you have to grow up so fast. I don't think I'm smart enough for Jeopardy. I only know two categories. Which two? You know, book and... Uh, that's it. I know one books <laughs> and comedians. No, I, I know. know. I certainly don't know any of any history or geography or. But you know, you know about wiener dogs. So let's no, talk about wiener dogs. Wiener do <laughs> you had like kind of an obsession with WDs, as you call yeah, them. Yeah, I love WDs. Yeah, wow, you really did a lot of research on me. I'm so um, impressed. Yeah, so I tell love me. Wiener dogs. Yeah, you stood in line to get. Tell me about this. You stood in line to get a dog's autograph. Like yes, you, you, you are a very educated dog. woman. You've written, you've been published, but you stood in line to get a dog's autograph from a dog that wrote a book or a book about a dog. Well, or it was a calendar. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I really recommend Crusoe, the celebrity dachshund on Instagram. He does a lot of dogs, a lot of activities. I've never owned a wiener dog. I just like the look of that. That is the other uh, fast. There's a famous story. You probably know this about Jamarcus Russell who ended up being a total bust. He was a number one overall pick, but he was, I think he was kind of lazy. The coaches didn't think he was watching film. So they gave him some blank videotapes and then he came back and he said he watched the blitz packages on the tapes. So obviously work ethic and drive are important in these things, right? So how much do you think that goes into analyzing the draft prospects? Like, and how do you analyze that? Because, um, I mean, they can often say the right things in the interview, but then, you know, like behind the scenes, I mean, that goes back to maybe that's something where they're talking to coaches and stuff, or how do you, how do you measure those things? Yeah, it, it varies from team to team. And that's why I think with losing these top 30 visits is, is so important because, yeah. you know, when you get to shake a man's hand and stare him in the eye and, and hear him answer questions right in front of you, that's different than even when you're asking him questions over the internet or hearing him speak at a podium or something like that. And so... It varies from team to team. With him, and then I remember seeing him on Twenty One Jump Street, and I go, "That looks like Johnny Cash." <laughs> weird. <laughs> and it was like, so "Oh, that weird. is that, that is him." Wow. And, and then, uh, and then um, I ran into him. The next time I actually ran into him was he was doing that John Waters movie, Cry Baby. Baby. Yeah. 
And I went down to Hammerjack to see Stray Cats because we were good friends with those guys too. So I went to see Stray Cats and and, um, after they were done, I went backstage because Hammerjack, you know, we had the run of the place. We could go anywhere we wanted. So I go backstage and and into the office and you know to wait to go upstairs where the dressing rooms were. So I'm in the office. I walk in the office and there's Johnny Depp sitting there and there's Iggy Pop sitting there and uh, wow. the, what's the porn star girl? Jenna Jameson? No, no. Uh, oh. So what goes into analyzing the draft picks for you? Because clearly you do your homework with the workouts and the tape and the measurables and all that thing. But what about the mental thing? Because I think that's such a big piece. Um, you look at a lot of the best draft picks, even guys that um, that we've had on the Seahawks who are overlooked because they didn't have the right physical measurables, but they got the work ethic and the determination, like uh, Richard Sherman, Russell Wilson. Like, how do you analyze that stuff? Do you listen to a lot of the interviews? Because players kind of always say the same thing. They always say they want to win. Winning is everything, blah, 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 blah. But like, how do you kind of... Do you ever take that into account when you when you're analyzing prospects? Like this just this guy's got the it factor or the determination. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the things you can do is, is like you said, watch the interviews, and there are a lot of generic interviews out there. But you can get a feel for certain players. I mean, I, one that I remember distinctly was DeAndre Hopkins when he was at Clemson yeah. so in 2013, and he he lasted into the 20s. But when you watched his interviews, and he would sit down and. and when Sebastian left Skid Row, Snake Zabo called me a couple times and was really, him and Rachel really wanted me to audition for, for Skid Row. I was going to ask you so about when that because I, I think I, that would have been a great match. Well, so did they. And, mm. um, you know, I think that they write great songs and, and I think that if I'm going to, you know, I'm just not a huge fan. I still, I don't own any Skid Row. I, I, really? I, I think that there's, I, yeah. And I, I think that, that, you know, they're, uh, they're an excellent rock band and, and, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I mean, I might wake up one day and regret that decision to not even try, but yeah. I was, I was trying to, I was trying to get toys, you know, back on the road and I was trying, we were trying to ride and get it together. And we had, we had just made some decisions and I guess that would have been like 93 or 94 or something like that. Mm. Wow. Wait, they asked you to join. Phil Hartman came into our dressing room and he's like, you guys want to smoke a joint? And we're like, fuck yeah. So (laughs) we're smoking a joint with Phil Hartman in the dressing room. And he told us a story about the time that he was a roadie for Hendrix. (laughs) Wait, is that a true story? uh, yeah, true story. He was a, he apparently was a wow. movie for Hendrix for maybe it might have just been one show, but he was like what? a stagehand. Huh. And apparently the drum set started like sliding off the riser in the middle of the show. And so Phil Hartman had to go out onto the stage during the song and like hold <laughs> the drum set in place. Wow. And he says in the middle of the solo or whatever. Hendrix looks over at him and gives him this look like you're rocking now, Rody Van. <laughs> wow, yeah. that is a cool story. And- you got to meet Lorne Michaels and you walked into his office and he's behind his desk and you walked in and you said, Hi, I'm Ryan, and he says, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you said Yeah, Lorne you- was a Lorne was it's very intimidating. Sure, I'm, I'm really sure, like- yeah. And you just kept yeah, saying like hit his office. Yeah, you kept saying like this is cool. Oh, yeah, this is so cool. Like, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm just, I'm not the, the best conversational, especially when I'm super <laughs> nervous. Like, you know, like, yeah, cool. Yeah, this is cool. Thanks for having me. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean that must have been surreal to be in Lorne Michaels' office. You said there's bulletin boards with like the hosts, like Lady Gaga and Eminem, and and you were just like kind of yeah, amazed. Yeah, but, just, yeah. Yeah, remember, I do remember calling that cool. I remember looking at that going, hey, that's cool. <laughs> he's got his, his desk. With, he has his, like, of, like so many pictures on his, tiny little pictures on his desk facing him. I don't know, I assume family and friends and stuff. And yeah. then it's a huge, like, just like eat. Like I'd eat Oreo ice cream all the time when I lived in L.A. I'm like Ben and Jerry's Oreo ice cream. And then I was like, at some point I was like, I think, um, I don't think there's enough Oreos in these ice cream in this ice cream. I'm going to buy an extra package of Oreos <laughs> and shove down Oreos in the oh. ice cream. 
and you know, I'd be at the, I'd be at the, you know, the convenience store buying it, and the, you know, the checkout girl would be like, "Hey, you know those already Oreos? I know, I know. All right, I know, I know. Oh, Look at that's me. hilarious. Know. You know." So and then I went like I saw some. Like, I was like, after a while, I was like, "This is getting a little weird." You know, I'm doing this every night. That, no, because is, I. I just had a blizzard the other day, a peanut butter cup blizzard. I don't eat that stuff very often, but I was like, oh, I'm going to treat myself. And I thought the same thing. I thought, you know what? They don't have enough peanut butter cups in this blizzard. Like, I yeah. think they chimped. Yeah, they got cheap you on me. Your own, you can buy your own peanut butter cup. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that next time. I think that's smart. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> got another phone call, and this one was to join Ozzy Osbourne's band. So take me through that process. Do you remember that phone call? Was that, I mean, I'm assuming that that could have been would that would have been Sharon calling you or. Yeah. Or someone from the office, um, mm. you know, but it was kind of, it was sort of very, it was sort of very black and white of like, we got this tour coming up. We don't have a bass player, mm. you know, we're, we're, you know, could you, could you fill in? I, yeah, I'm not doing anything else. Um, and, uh, and so, um, I got the gig, but then it turns out that there was no gig. So that just kind of, you know, evaporated until a few years later. Right. Cause he, he had an accident or, or something. And then, and then when he did get better, he went, ended up being, uh, in black Sabbath. So they did that for a while, but for then like I think did years, Rob yeah. Zombie get his band back together and you came back to that one. Yeah. So then for a while yeah. you were kind of doing both, right? appeared and i remember we were three or four songs in and i was thinking well i guess that was it we got some silly string it wasn't so bad and then i'm noticing the front row of the crowd are looking past us pointing and laughing so it took me i don't know 30 40 seconds finally i turned around i'm like what is going on they had dropped a backdrop over our backdrop like taped some sheets together and it was a skull similar to our dude mm-hmm. and, and i think it said suck it right or <laughs> Belch it right, some play on the words. I don't remember exactly what it was, but uh, it was some sarcastic shit. And then it had a bunch of funny stuff written all over it. So here we are, oh, you know, that's cool. trying to act tough and play. Yeah. And meanwhile, our whole backdrop. And then, and then it, it started to progress from there. At one point, uh, Dimebag came out, and it was like hard to hold on to my guitar. I didn't know if he was trying to take it from me or what was going on, but but it was crazy. In retrospect, I think they were distracting me because they put about ten pounds of ground beef over my MIDI pedal. So, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a foot controller for your amp. You can go, you can go from clean channel. We took a Hertz Pinsky truck that had all of our equipment that the crew guys would drive behind us at night. And uh, when we packed it, we packed one of those 55-gallon drums uh, as a barbecue grill in the back of the, the uh, truck. So the first thing all the loaders would see when they opened their truck was this big grill. Oh. And we would throw these grill outs at our hotels. So we'd be at the Holiday Inn or the Hilton or whatever it was. And the record company would get the radio station people. We'd get the contest winners. We would tell some of the fans ahead of time where we were going to be. And we would throw these crazy cookouts. And we were collecting things the whole time. So we had these yard uh, yard candles, these tiki lamps. <laughs> people were showing up with, like, cardboard cutouts. We had this, this girl that she had a battery in her belt that had a hula skirt on that we would turn it on and she was standing over in the corner like shaking her uh little grass skirt at you while we're cooking out and stuff those would always go you know coach i don't know i don't understand why whatever the question is i don't understand why you know cover two always gets disguised this way or that oh well let me tell you first of all back in you know wherever minnesota when they first saw he would just randomly go off on these <laughs> And if they would do it sort of as a, as a needling thing to, to, to loop, but, uh, oh, that's funny, but all in good, all in good fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think the funny, the funniest one though, Chuck really is, and, and you have to have this. He's the one that Tyler does a good impression of him, but he, when he thinks that you've missed an open receiver, he has a tendency to kind of exaggerate it. He would always say, you know, Luke, if you forgot how to throw the football, kick the fucking thing to him. He's <laughs> wide open. Right? That is funny. Yeah. But you are kind of saving the world in a way because you answer a lot of your direct messages and people reach out to you. They, it's like you said earlier, people reach out to you. They were suicidal and stuff. Do you, are you still getting a lot of those kinds of messages? Oh, hell yeah. You know, but, uh, I'll spend more time 
in a day. I get so many PMs a day. It's ridiculous. Like how many a day? Like a hundred or like? On a, on a, on a slow day, I'll, I'll get, you know, say I'll be messaging with somebody and like, uh, you know, say if you and I was, that was the only way we were keeping in touch. Like I'll message you, I'll PM you, um, this day to let you know what the deal is. I would have to f- scroll for, you know, for literally feet to find you, to find your message. And, uh, oh. and just like, just like I respond to you. And then by the time you respond back, it's feet farther again. <laughs> and so, wow. and with the way I operate, I never remember anything. I had to have a heads up cover timid and we were all worshiped Alice. And I saw Alice that day in catering. And I just said, Hey Alice, I, I just wanted to thank you for having us. This has been the thrill of a lifetime. And I said, I know you hear this all the time, but you've never heard it from me. When I was a kid for years straight, I wore your makeup to school on Halloween. And I was Alice Cooper for Halloween because that was kind of an easier makeup than Gene Simmons and, sure. and my mom could do it. And he kind of laughed and he was just like, well, look at this. Now you're playing with, with me on Halloween. I was like, dude, I can't wait to see the show. And he just said, be on the side of the stage at the, at the end. And I didn't really know what that meant. But me and Wednesday were standing there and, and uh, Alice looked at us and he's like, get over here. And he just put us on the background mic and, and they did all the balloons and the balls. And oh. dude, it, it was a, uh, it was a nerd's dream come true. I felt like a make a wish kid, you know, like somebody <laughs> came and like, you got a job as a production assistant on a movie. Now, I, I don't know if I did my research, right, but tell me, was it with George Clooney? Was this the unbecoming it was. age? Yes, it was. And I that was before think. George Clooney was anything, right? Correct. Yeah, I remember I delivered scripts to his apartment over in West Hollywood. <laughs> it was very nice. But uh, yeah, he was, you know, riding around on his motorcycle. He was still in Roseanne, <laughs> I think. Oh, okay. So he was kind of famous. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So what was that? So you're rent- delivering scripts. What, what other things did they have you do as a production assistant? Well, it's funny because I started pre-production. Okay. And then once we got to shooting, they had liked me so much, and I guess I did such a good job. They promoted me to a second second AD, which I just thought was really funny because I didn't know what that meant, but I was <laughs> happy with it. Well, you to team up with Ryan O'Flanagan because you're the one that turned me on to him. He is hilarious. He makes hilarious videos. Oh, I, love I think Ryan. you two need to Ryan's make a video so together. Have you ever you ever talked about yeah. that? Yeah, I love his stuff. We haven't talked about that, but you know, sometimes I don't know if it's that easy where it's just sort of like, yo, we got to team up and make something. <laughs> <laughs> like, comedy is not like musicians where like, yo, come over, let's comedy jam. You know, like, oh yeah, 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 that's funny. <laughs> no, you don't have an idea that like you think like a part he could play or something in one of your sketches or. I don't know. Yeah, may, maybe. Uh, for sure. I love Rhino Flanagan and, and I, I love other comics as well. I think the way I work is I'll think of a sketch, I'll write it out, and then I plug in whoever I think is right for it. Like, who do I know that I, that I envision as this? Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of doing stand up and being surrounded by so many other comedians. I just know who's right. Just make sure that you're there for the important moments because there was a lot of cool things that he's done in his career, but he doesn't remember them because right. he was so fucked up on drugs or booze or whatever. So that really stuck with you. I've never forgotten that. Yeah. I've never forgotten that. I, I, I've, I've taken that to heart. So I never get obliterated or anything like that because, you know, I, I first off, he's like, man, I wish I would have appreciated what I had, you know, like if I had, I mean, we had the fucking world at our hands and, I have like nothing to show for it inside my head. You know what I mean? And that's kind of everything. Yeah. He has pictures, but he doesn't remember the pictures. Right. He's like, shit, when did we take that? You know, and (laughs) that's heartbreaking because that's like, dude, that's like amnesia of some of the most beautiful moments in your life. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and from that moment on, I was like, all right, I'm not trying to be that cool guy who I can't fucking like beat Motley Cruz dirt antics so why even try (laughs) yeah seven different ways to get on first oh the seven different ways to get on like other than so we are we going or yeah go for it i mean so like just like hitting a single so that's Uh, a hit okay 
A walk. A walk. A balk when they hit you, right? Isn't that is that what it's called? Getting hit by the pitch? Beaned? Hit by pitch. Hit by pitch. Um Wait a minute, there's four more? <laughs> uh, an error? An error? An error. An error. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that would be the same if the if the catcher misses it, that's still an error. There's three more. Oh, well that's uh Is that something different? That's drop third strike. Oh, okay. When the catcher yeah, misses if it. If the catcher misses it. So that's yeah. five? Yeah. So I'm only two more? Two more. Two more. Um uh, no, would a fly out no a fly out would be out. So no, I I I'm stumped. Let's see. You can't steal first, can you? Is it true that um that you later would audition to sing for Motley Crue? Is that a true story? Yes, it is. Can you tell me about that? Do you remember yes, that at all? Like Oh yeah. Um pretty much it's like in the close to the height of the bullet boys. Me and of course I'm very close with with, with Motley and, yeah. and I love them to death still. And I we don't get to see each other very often, but I love them with all my heart. I still text Tommy, you know, all the time, talking back and forth every once in a while. But um yeah, there was a time where they were having trouble with Vince and um, you know, I, I have mad respect for Vince. Vince is a friend of mine and um, I love him dearly. And uh, I was called in, Nikki called me in to you know, talk about singing in the band. We worked together a little bit as well. We wrote a couple of pieces, like a couple like kind of ballad type of things. And, uh, you know, I, it was just hard. So there you have it. 50 episodes of this podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please support my guests and follow them on social media. Check out the work that they do. And also, as you know, I end each episode with a charity. I've had over 50 charities mentioned on the show. So do yourself a favor and listen to the full episodes. Check out what charity each guest is passionate about. Um, eventually, I think we're going to have a list of every charity on my website. Um, you can also find all the old episodes on my website or any other podcast platform. Uh, follow me on social media or subscribe to the podcast to get updates. And if you have the time, I would absolutely be tickled. I don't think I've ever used that phrase before, but I would be tickled. If you could take the time to write me a review on iTunes or Google or wherever you listen, it really helps with the algorithm so more people can find the podcast and enjoy it. Uh, so again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all my amazing guests. I hope you have a great day or a night. And remember, shoot for the moon.